Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. Today on Accent of Women, I'm in conversation with Madeline Imba and Tandiwe Abby Moyo about butch and butch identity. Butch is not a dirty word is a publication originating in Melbourne, Australia and the brainchild of butch activist Esther Godoy. This publication is about reclaiming female masculinity and the identity butch. What started as a photography project grew into a place for queer voices to express their thoughts and experiences about butch identity. Madeline Imba is one of the co-editors and Tandiwe Abby Moyo is a contributing writer. Here they are. My name's Madeline. I am the co-editor under a pseudonym of Yossi Silva for Butch is Not a Dirty Word. Um, I got involved about a year before the first edition came out, so that's about probably two years ago. I met Esther. She put her just a call out on social media for people who identified as Butch. Uh, And for various reasons, I got in touch. And and the project took a long time to sort of come together. It was initially going to be an online kind of publication or series of photos. And then it turned into a zine and it turned into a launch of a zine and now it's turned into a series of, of zines. Uh, so that was how I got involved. Hi, I'm Tandi and um, I was asked to be part of issue two um, of Butch is Not a Dirty Word because it was an issue about family. Um, I know Madeline and Esther a bit and they approached me to see if uh, my family and I would like to be in a photo shoot. Excellent. Well, thank you and welcome both of you to the show. Thank you so much for giving up your time and we're gonna, I'm going to ask a lot of very personal questions. So in advance, I thank you for your candidness and um, sharing with me. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> so I do want to, <laughs> I want to start with what is butch? And yeah, let's just start with what is butch? Um, I think it really, like the point of the publication and I guess my perspective is it's a self-identification. So, you know, any, I guess anyone can identify as butch. The thing that drew me to the zine was my own personal experience of, uh, I guess, my personal experience of being read as masculine of centre as a woman. So part of it was being read as a lesbian and any kind of issues or positive aspects that came from that, but also being read as male. The reason that I responded to Esther's call out was that I worked a lot in schools. I worked in a lot of different schools and I would um, travel around the state going into classrooms and I would often get a little bit of uh, heckling from some of the kids because I look masculine of centre and they couldn't work out if I was male or female or they thought I was a lesbian or they assumed I was a lesbian and kind of I got a little bit of abuse for that. And they're kids, it's fine. It was manageable in that context. But, you know, every now and then I'd get home and be quite frustrated by it and frustrated by the state of our education system, but also frustrated that this was an experience I was having and I didn't have a community around me that reflected it. And so when I saw the call out, it wasn't about getting my face in the zine or, uh, you know, necessarily writing something for it. It was about finding a community because I'd spent enough time whinging that I didn't have one. I thought I was just going to have to go and seek it out. So for me, it's about my experience as someone who doesn't look conforming in, in terms of my female gender and I don't conform to what I should look like uh, or what I, what society feels like I should look like. And so that's my perspective on why I guess at, at various points in time I have and do identify as butch. I think I would probably echo a lot of that in terms of it's about self-identification. I think for me, I spent 
quite a number of years living in the States and I think that's probably when I came into my own kind of identity um, as a butch. It was kind of handed to me. I think other people there just kind of read me and assumed I identified as butch um, and then it started to kind of fit and feel good and reflect how I kind of felt comfortable moving in the world and wanted other people to kind of read me. Um, when I moved back to Australia, I found that there wasn't really much of a community around butch identified or masculine women. Um, so when I saw the zine come together with the first issue, it was it was pretty exciting. I want to talk about Butch inside the queer and the broader LGBTI community. And I think there have been a lot of advances in the LGBTI movement. You know, same-sex marriage has a lot of traction uh, and is reaching uh, quite broad public acceptance. But with that comes um, a greater space for other issues, particularly I'm talking about... um, gender identity and a conversation around non-binary gender and transgender and so on. And do you, I, I wonder what you think and what you have to say about butch versus trans. And, and I even get the complexity of that construction as well. But do you feel like butch gets collapsed with trans at all? And then what's your response to that? You know, speaking personally, I don't, I don't want to speak for the zine, especially around issues that are so complex, but I think what the positivity of the the first and, and the second um, edition has been very much based around uh, inclusivity. So the idea that the trans movement, you're right, has gained a lot of traction in the last few years and the trans community has really come into, into its own and, and come into a, a really strong political space, which is fantastic. And I think that the zine is about being part of the broader queer space and around the identity of butch not being seen as a dirty word and being seen as another identity within the queer community, obviously different to trans, but also uh, something that, that in some ways troubles or messes with gender. And I think the more that we can trouble gender and, and talk about that and open up a space, the healthier it is. It's not about a dichotomy of, well, you're either butch or trans or those two things are in opposition. It's very much about there's room for all of them. And and I know that a few years ago I uh, tried to, to have a bit to do with a sort of butch trans kind of movement in Melbourne and went to a, a group there. And it was just assumed that I was on my way to transitioning. And there was very much that perspective that um, butch women are on the way to transition and a lot of butch women have transitioned and a lot of femme women have said to me it's so great to have this publication and this kind of visibility because I don't know where butch women have gone um, and again I don't want to come from a deficit perspective if people who identify as butch are actually change their identity or, or grow into or own the trans identity that's fantastic but there is obviously women who who see all those perspectives and who identify as butch and who feel authentically butch. And it's really nice to have a space to celebrate that identity as well as all the other kind of multitude of queer identities. What pronouns do you prefer? This is a new question. I often confuse people with my gender presentation, but twice now I've been asked what pronouns I prefer and it makes me uncomfortable. It shouldn't because they're well-intentioned. It's a way to acknowledge everyone's experiences and sense of self. And I've often felt my sense of self is lacking, so I should appreciate this effort. I hear women talk of the power of their high heels, the power of that favourite dress, and how when they're getting all dressed up, they feel sexy, powerful, invincible. I feel that way in a finely cut pair of pants, a crisp shirt and boots. And I can't work out what it is about a fresh, sharp haircut that makes me feel like a million bucks, but it does. 
and then I'd leave the house. Despite being used to it, it doesn't take much. A double take from a smirking teenager, a confused look from a middle-aged woman, perplexed, then disgusted. And then my swagger shrinks and the shame sets in. I suddenly feel the shame of the world seeing me as a young boy, then more shame when they realize I'm butch. My clothes can be my armor, but also my undoing. I never know how I'm gonna be read, but I, recognize, I can recognize the revulsion a mile away. And from strangers, I can sometimes bear it. The twist of the knife is when it comes from women who like it, as long as no one else can see me with them. I think most of the time they don't even know. They can't articulate the shame they feel for desiring someone who looks like me and how that desire marks them as deviant too. At these times, I feel an intense amount of shame, shame that being asked about my preferred pronoun should counteract, but for some reason it doesn't. Asking in a queer space about pronouns doesn't stop me from being removed from women's toilets, doesn't stop the weird looks and crawling humiliation. The only thing that really stops that feeling has to be myself, has to be writing it down, has to be finding others like me and being able to speak it out loud, has to be knowing there's nothing to be ashamed of. I want to talk a little bit about some of the taboos. Just while we're talking about the com- the complexities of gender identity and, and the label or the, the, the identity of butch, because um, I think a lot of people would also assume that, that butch was femme-attracted, for example, um, and that there is a, a whole world of assumptions associated with butch, like it is inherently masculine and therefore male-replicating. And I wanted, uh, Tandy, I wanted to put that to you a little bit, particularly about this idea that that butch and femme go together and there's no other way around that. Yeah, sure. Um, well, my partner's also butch-identified, so as a kind of butch-butch couple, we have kind of confronted that quite a bit. Um, I think particularly in the States where there is this much stronger, I think, butch femme community, it's really challenging, I think, for a lot of people in that community when there are two butch women together. Um, I think some of the reactions that we experienced over the years was reminded me, I guess, of kind of the sort of revulsion and panic that straight men sometimes exhibit towards gay men that other butch women would kind of find the idea of two butchers together as kind of repulsive and wrong and you know dysfunctional um as those kinds of homophobic attitudes and that was really hard to deal with especially from you know your friends who you kind of think you actually share a lot in common with I think here it's less of an issue mostly just because people maybe don't readily see us as a butch butch couple and so are kind of surprised that we would both claim that identity. And you're also a parent so I wonder how um, public perceptions of you as a butch parent and a butch butch couple parenting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean I I don't know how many more complexities I can (laughs) throw into the mix. Sure. Um, Look I think there is an assumption that, you know, parents and, you know, mothers are feminine and that they that is where the nurturing side of, you know, being a mother comes from. And so I think if you sort of embrace your more masculine attributes that that's kind of seen as being the antithesis of being a good and nurturing mother. Um, I've been a stay-at-home mum for the last six, seven years. Um, and I think that 
certainly within the predominantly kind of straight world of mums and young kids, it's hard for people to read me as being a masculine woman. I think it's easy for them to read my partner as a butch woman because the analogy of, you know, her being kind of like their husbands or, you know, the fathers who go to work and wear a suit and tie and, you know, do stuff on the weekends with their kids is easy to understand. Um, But I think it's been hard to kind of feel that I've been able to maintain my identity um, as a kind of masculine centre woman. When Nick and I got together and I started introducing her to my friends, people were confused. A few months into our relationship, I moved to the US while Nick stayed in London. I told my American friends about her and was beyond excited when she visited. I hadn't described her in great detail. It hadn't occurred to me that I should. I wasn't prepared for the reaction I got when Nick arrived and they realised that my partner was not femme, but another masculine identified woman. The inherent naturalness of the butch-femme dichotomy is particularly strong among queers of colour and the strongest sense of confusion, horror and rejection came from this community. One femme friend in particular clearly felt a very personal sense of betrayal. Her identity was so firmly rooted in her femme self that me choosing a butch partner and breaking those unwritten rules ultimately strained our friendship to a point from which it never fully recovered. Some years later, when Nick and I moved back to my hometown of Melbourne, we were getting ready to have children and therefore had less involvement in the queer community. We both knew we wanted kids, it was just a question of who and how. Although, of course, nothing is ever that simple in the world of lesbian fertility, I like to say that in the end, I drew the short straw and scored the role of carrying our two children. Pregnancy itself wasn't easy. I didn't relish the changes to my body and my wardrobe the way I know many women do. But I figured it was only nine months and then things would get back to normal, right? I assumed, perhaps naively, that once our child was born, the small detail of who had given birth would fade into insignificance, that I would be free to embrace my more masculine attributes once again, and that the sense of social equality that Nick and I had enjoyed previously would resume. However, as a stay-at-home mum for six years and counting, I find myself in a world that clearly expects that role to come bundled with femininity, and so is no longer able to read me as a masculine woman. Meanwhile, as the non-biological or birth mother, Nick is expected to fulfil some kind of father role, and her visible butchness only serves to reinforce this. In this way, we often find ourselves being divided into rigid gender roles in ways we didn't before becoming parents. It is easy to feel that my butchness is erased while Nick's is enhanced, based on the biological and logistical choices we've made in forming our family. While I stay at home with our kids, we're both parents. Nick isn't the one throwing a football while I cook. Our roles are divided by time and skill, not by perception of gender. From looking for maternity wear, the options for masculine women were scarce and non-existent. To how many straight friends perceive us, butchers and gender has played into our family. At barbecues, women are making the salads while men take charge of cooking the meat and we're expected to make a decision of sorts as to where we stand, quite literally. But who gave birth? By who knew which person better? In a well-meaning way, it felt like there was an assumption that because Nick is butch and wears a suit and tie to work, I must be femme. A loss of identity through having kids was unexpected. I expected to lose time, sleep and independence, but I didn't think my sense of self would also be deeply challenged. In a return of what happened when we first got together, our dual butch identity is somehow unacceptable. For many, the idea of two butch women being together is confusing, and two butch mothers is more confusing still, and therefore one must be recast as femme or closer to it. The other day, however, in a shopping centre bathroom, I turned in the direction of a once familiar sound, a sharp intake of air, to find a horrified, confused woman staring back at me. 
After taking it all in, she spluttered out, I, I know it must be awful for her, looking apologetically at my daughter, but you really should take her into the gents. So despite a few challenges along the way, some days I successfully pull it off. A butch and a mum still receiving helpful guidance on which bathroom to use. Madeline, I wanted to ask you, I mean, some of the issues that you've both been talking about, for instance, have been news to me. And at various points in my life, I've been in the lesbian community and then in the queer community. And, you know, I I learned so much when I went to the Melbourne launch and I know the Sydney launch is coming up. I, I wonder, have you have new things come up for you in working on this publication? Have you learnt stuff about Butch that you didn't know before? Uh, Yeah, I've learnt heaps. It's been such a a lovely process for me and something that I really didn't anticipate. Uh, I guess there's a few things. I mean, the initial launch, which was in March 2016, uh, was just at at a local, you know, at Hairs and Hyenas uh, bookstore. It was just going to be a small event. They've got a capacity of 70 and and the, the the event was just kind of put out online and it sold out within a, a matter of minutes and then they we had to hustle to try and have another event that same night and sort of back-to-back them and hustle people in and out just to fit, you know, um, close to 150 people in in that evening and there were still people who were, like, offering all sorts of favours to get in and, you know, people wanted to see, like, the explosion of interest was... It was really heartening for me and I, I think it was heartening for Esther as well who where this had started from a space of there's no butch community I feel so isolated to people begging to get in and you know wanting to be involved and so the second one was it was at a bigger venue and still it sold out and still people have been really keen and um, there's been a, a crew in Sydney who's been really behind the zine since it started and they've, they're putting on a launch for us on April 7. So the the tapping into some part of the lesbian community or the queer community that I didn't even know existed or didn't know where it was has been has been a great lesson and um, has been really heartening and for me personally, like, I don't really spend a lot of time thinking, oh, yeah, I'm butch. Like, as I mentioned earlier, I, I have experiences where I'm mistaken for male or I have experiences with my family or at work where I'm read in complicated ways or my gender is policed in some ways. And it's something I'm conscious of. And that's where that's, I guess, the intersection where I identify as butch, where it's it's a difficult point for me. Um, and to have that as be something that I can celebrate and be a positive thing. Um, which is, you know, it's always been the way in the queer community. I've always felt pretty safe in that space, but to have it not be something, uh, I guess it was put in one of the pieces as well. It's not something that people uh, engage with you in spite of, but because of it, it's become a point of identity where people can be really proud of it. And it's really nice to see that, that there are so many butch and fam and queer people who are engaged with the idea and, and how open the community is. I wanted to ask a little bit about, I mean, I know it's a community that gets persecuted a lot, so I don't want to, you know, add to that. But I do think that there is a section of the community that is quite invisibilised, and that is people of colour in Mm -hmm. the queer community. And having gone through... um, the two publications, it looks like that was a bit of a challenge for uh, the producers of the publication. And I wanted to get your sense, you know, Tandy is a woman of colour and Maddie certainly as someone who's not white and not Anglo. What, what, what is there about the visibility of people of colour and non-whites and non-Anglos in the queer community and then the reflection of that in the, in the publication? 
It's a really good question. Uh, the initial publication started through networks, as I said. So, you know, it, it reflects, uh, I guess, the more main, it's not mainstream because it's butch, but it, it reflects a certain part of the um, predominantly Melbourne. There are some Americans in there, predominantly Melbourne queer scene. And the second edition has really pushed outside that and, and really engaged with hopefully a more diverse range of butch identified people. Um I think it's hard. I think the Melbourne queer community is pretty white. Like, I think that's the reality of it. Um, or the, sorry, probably not the reality. That's the, the visible, visible reality of it. Um, and I think you have to work to find a diverse community. And I, and I think the publication has, has done some of that work, but it is, it's an ongoing challenge. And um, there's those intersections in the community of trying to get a really diverse group of people to, to be photographed and to write about their identities. And um, that's why there's some from from Melbourne, there's some from Sydney, and there's also a, a few pieces and a few photos from the States and from Europe. We um, did a photo shoot in Berlin as well. Uh, so there's that part of it. There's, there's trying to get that diversity in there. And there's also trying to represent the, board, the broader uh, queer community. There's a person in the zine of the second edition who identify who – uh, is a trans woman who identifies as butch and that was a really um, interesting piece and a really interesting identity um, that we really wanted to include so that we can have a, a, a really broad sweeping look at what butch means to a range of people and we've been really careful as well um, not to use the word female I guess as well to kind of go it's it's you know it's a masculine presenting generally female perspective but butchers can be it's a self-identity can be anything um but I, it, there is a tendency for, you know, in the in the Melbourne queer community for it to be quite a white Anglo-centric identity perhaps or maybe that's just the community. I don't know, Tandy. Hang on, before we go to you, Tandy. Mm, yeah. So as a, as a Jewish butch woman then, what space is there for you in the Jewish community or is that a little bit alienating for you too? Uh, it's, it's alienating but it's also a little bit different. I mean, it's hard because... I guess the challenge for me is, I not the challenge, but like I am white. I, I'm not read particularly as Jewish outside the Jewish community. So in fact, um, in a lot of circumstances and in a lot of workplaces, I've encountered more anti-Semitism and homophobia when people find out I'm Jewish or passive anti-Semitism when they don't realise. And so that's been an interesting experience for me. But in terms of my gender identity, it's not been a super positive experience in the Jewish community, but it's also like I'm operating in a very middle class um, milieu as well. So that's also part of it. So class and, and identity very much play a part. And Tandi, being a, a butch woman of colour in a predominantly white queer community yeah. here in Melbourne. Um, yeah, look, I think it can be a challenge sometimes. Um I certainly think my time living in the States where I really felt part of a queer community of colour um, as distinct from the general queer community. It was a very supportive and political and engaged community that I was part of and I really appreciated that um, and it's something that I miss when I'm here. Um, but I think as Maddie sort of said, there's it is the reality of at least the visible queer community in Melbourne is overwhelmingly Anglo and white. Um, and so I think it is what it is, but it's 
it is really nice when you can kind of make those connections that um, sort of move across those boundaries as well. It's interesting, you know, Esther's experience to create the zine was in contrast to her experience in the States where she felt like a butch and femme was much more accepted. So it seems like definitely not going to hold up the US as a paragon of, you know, diversity and acceptance, but it, it, it you know, the quantity of, of people and the diversity of their community that allows, you know, from what you've said, uh, women of colour to really collect around their identities and, and the way that Esther speaks of butch femme it seems like something that's they've possibly got a little bit right. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, just to sort of follow on from that a little bit, um, it was interesting when I was living in the States, I was living in Michigan, which is not like it's a pretty white conservative state. For a lot of the queer women of colour that I was hanging out with, for them it was like the whitest place they'd ever lived and they were really kind of struggling with that as, you know, being very different from where they had come from. For me, it was probably like the the biggest kind of community of colour and queers of colour that I'd had the opportunity to be part of. And so it was quite an interesting perspective to kind of watch them be like, oh my gosh, I feel like there's, you know, so few of us and it's, you know, the community's so small and I don't really know where to start and how to build community and stuff. And I was just kind of like, this is awesome. So... <laughs> So if our listeners wanted to get a get their hands on the publication or some of our listeners in Sydney, if they wanted to get along to the next uh, launch event, how would they do that? Um, so there's a few ways you can engage with it. If you are in Sydney, there's a launch on April 7th uh, at Better Red Than Dead in King Street, Newtown from 7.30. The details are all on the Facebook page, which is Butch is Not a Dirty Word. And there's also a website, which is butchisnotadirtyword.com. And that's got uh, a whole lot of that, got those details in there as well. And it's also got uh, the back issues of edition one, which we reprinted and edition two. So you can purchase those online if you are so inclined. And the publications are $10 each, so very, very accessible to um, to the queer community, actually. So That's right. And up in, I think it's still the case that you can get PDFs for free online. That may or may not change, but you probably can access a chunk of at least the first one for free. Well, to both of you, thank you so much for your time and for sharing your stories. Thank you, Thanks. That was Madeline Imber and Tandiwe Abby Moyo. Make sure you look up butchisnotadirtyword.com and check out their Facebook page. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website, 3cr.org.au, and that's the digit three, not spelt out in letters. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hanna and I look forward to your company again next week.